You're listening to The Powerhouse Musician, a podcast for classical musicians to hone the business skills we need to thrive in today's classical music scene. I'm Rebecca Lane, your music studio and business coach, owner and director of the Lane School of Music and Rebecca Lane Coaching. So buckle up, let's turn you into a powerhouse musician. Welcome to another episode of The Powerhouse Musician. I am your host, Rebecca Lane, and you are a powerhouse musician. And today, we are starting a revolution. And I'm inviting you to join me. We're starting a revolution, and the revolution is that music is our national sport. Use the hashtag, it's happening. Now, I am well aware, very aware, that music is not a sport, number one. And number two, that in North America and specifically in Canada where I live, music is not considered part of the fabric of our culture, of our society. But we want it to be, don't we? Right? We want this to be something that everyone considers essential to living in Canada, to living in North America. And there are places in the world that do consider music to be part of their national identity. And we'll talk about that later. But what I want to do is look at some data with you about why I think this is actually a movement that we need to start, why it's important that we start saying this. Music is important to us, and using the language music is our national sport, I think we'll get more attention. And how actually I think music is alive and well in Canada. There is a lot of data to support that music has been on the decline, specifically classical music, specifically music education, specifically music education in public school systems. There's a lot of evidence to support that. We're going to talk about that. But there's also a lot of evidence to support why it's still here. And the fact that it's still here is really encouraging. So we're going to talk about all this stuff today. And the reason why this is so important to me and why this is becoming kind of my my mission, if I do say so myself, is because, I mean, my kids have recently joined hockey. They've been playing now for a couple of years. My daughter, for the first time this year, is in like a select. She's on a select team. She had to like try out to be on it. And so we're now seeing the world of hockey as a parent in a much different light. This isn't like kids showing up for Timbits hockey on a Saturday afternoon anymore. This is like driving to games, tournaments that aren't close, getting special equipment, all of the tournaments that we have to pay for and all of this infrastructure that exists around hockey for kids And it's not even like, I mean, this is just like the first level up from House League, and it's already really intense. And it's just getting me thinking what a huge commitment this is as a parent for my daughter who loves it. She's loving it. And then to hear people complain about music lessons and how much it costs and how much time it takes up is really just like, it's rubbing me the wrong way. Because I don't think that we're looking at this from the right angle with all of the data and all of the evidence that is supporting how much we really do value music lessons and and really how it is so much more accessible than most sports. Music is is so simple to do, which is I think why it has pervaded all of these kind of systemic cuts and everything. Music actually is a really accessible avenue to develop a child, right? To give them the the access to develop themselves as a human being, as an artistic and creative human being. Music is actually super accessible versus a lot of team sports, which are super expensive. And that is what I'm learning recently through hockey. So I'm going to start us out. We're going to go through two reasons why 
music actually is our national sport and we need to just start proclaiming it and saying it because it actually is true. It It is part of the fabric of our society and we need to own that. And because I know that there are so many improvements that we need to make in this realm, like obviously we're not doing this perfectly. Obviously music lessons are not nearly as popular or as valued as they could be and as they are in other places in the world. I'm going to look to some models of countries who are doing this so, so well. And these are not like official research models. These are coming from just regular conversations that I've had with people who have visited other countries and made some observations. So we're going to talk about that. But first, two reasons why music lessons actually are part of our national fabric. Okay, so I'm talking about Canada specifically. I live in Toronto. My music schools are all in Toronto, but I think this applies to most of North America. I mean, classical music developed, as we know, out of like Europe, basically. And even though Canada is considered to be kind of a new country, it's still young in the grand scheme of things. Sorry, it's still around the same age as like all of the other parts of North America in the grand scheme of things of, you know, how long people have been playing classical Western music in this country. I want to be careful about what I say here because obviously people have been living here for a long time. But if we're talking about Western music and it being a part of our national fabric, first of all, I should just really address that, you know, maybe the reason why classical music isn't part of our national fabric is because that's not part of our national identity. Like we're not European, all of us, right? There have been people living here for thousands of years and they don't identify or associate themselves with classical music. And so maybe we need to separate ourselves from this being a classical only country in terms of music. And maybe that's why we're having so many challenges making this accessible, making this a part of people's identity is because Europe is not part of everyone's identity in Canada or in North America. So let me just put that out there first. But I want to bring us to, number one, the Coalition for Music Education in Canada. This is an organization that brings a lot of data, does a lot of research, a lot of support to music educators in Canada. That is their mission. They want music education to be alive and well in Canada. And they recently conducted a study. It was conducted from, they started in 2019. I'm not sure how well they did because of the pandemic, but it was published really recently in 2021, actually. And I was looking on their website. They have a lot of really cool infographics. It's really easy to access their information. I'll put the website in the show notes. And this study in particular was sponsored by a number of organizations, including Western University and University of Victoria. So these are, you know, this is a reputable study. And they were looking at public schools, public education, where is music mandatory by province, up to what grade? And they had a, a few different touch points of like, you know, what degree was it necessary? Like, was it included as part of a bigger umbrella of just the arts or was music specifically necessary as part of the curriculum? So I have a little bit of data to share with you. Shout out to PEI, Saskatchewan, British Columbia, anyone else? They all rank very high and I feel like I'm leaving someone out. But anyway, they all require music as part of their curriculum up to grade nine in public education, okay? So in public schools, you're taking a music class of some kind up until at least grade nine, which is incredible. Would love to see it go up to grade 12, 
but I'll take it. Grade nine is great. And that is the national height. Okay. There is no province in the country that requires it up to grade 12. Okay. Music is not required for every single grade. New Brunswick and Manitoba rank at number two, requiring it up to grade eight. And then we have Nova Scotia, Alberta, and Northwest Territories and Nunavut rank third place, requiring it only up to grade six. And then picking up the tail, Ontario and Quebec, one of two of the biggest provinces in terms of landmass and population, not requiring it at all. They do have arts requirements and music is only one component of that. It doesn't have to be music. So music is probably still happening in a lot of those schools in those provinces in Ontario and Quebec, but it might not be mandatory that it's music. And instead of music, they could easily offer art or drama or any other kind of creative discipline that falls under that umbrella. And that would be considered as, you know, successfully delivering the required curriculum in those provinces. Not fantastic. Now, there are two ways to look at this data because some of the provinces are doing decently, requiring it up to grade nine. I would say that's still not optimal. PEI, Saskatchewan, I see you, requiring it up to grade nine. Good job. You can do better, require it for longer, but still pretty good. And then some provinces like Ontario and Quebec are doing very poorly, not requiring it at all in any grade. We can definitely do better here. However, I live in Ontario. I live in Toronto. And I am very convinced. I mean, I would have to ask around, but I'm pretty sure that almost every public school that I could walk into has music of some kind happening on a regular basis. It might not be a lot, but it's not nothing. I would be very surprised if there is any school that does not have any music program at all. And the reason I know this, well, first of all, I used to work for the Toronto District School Board as an itinerant music teacher, past life. So I know a little bit of what's happening in the public school system. But I know this because every time music programs get cut, the people rally. Music teachers rally for their jobs, but also for the importance of music education. Parents rally. Just the general teachers, like the homeroom teachers, they all rally. And if it actually does get cut, which we've seen cuts happen, so that maybe music isn't happening like for every grade or for every class or, you know, for the entire year or for every classroom or something. If that does happen, people show up and they make the music happen. So what I was saying is there are two ways to interpret this data. One way is to look at it and say, okay, this is terrible. They keep cutting programs and it's not even required in our public school anymore. We need to do something. That is true. But the other way of looking at it is they've tried to cut everything and it is still there. They cannot get rid of music. It can't be stopped. It is so considered to be an important piece of child development and of raising, of you know, thriving and contributing member of society that despite it being underfunded significantly, it hasn't gone away. And when the government has failed us, the people have rallied. The musicians have rallied. 
and it has happened. You get people in there that probably shouldn't be teaching music, but they do because there's no one else to do it. And they're like, this has to happen. I know I'm not the most qualified, but I'm stepping up because music needs to happen in our school in some capacity. And so I would be shocked to discover any school that doesn't have any music program happening whatsoever, formally or informally. And I also want to state that in most schools in Toronto, there are still string programs. I know people who teach almost full-time as string teachers. Some of them probably do teach full-time as string teachers in a public school because there are that many classes. And again, I know it's getting cut. I know it's underfunded. I know it's less than it used to be, but it's still there. And so instead of saying, we're in a terrible state in Canada and we're not going to have music if we continue on this trajectory for 100 years, which is true, but instead of being all doom and gloom, which is kind of a little bit our nature, I will say, as musicians to like kind of go to the negative, maybe even just as humans, that's what we tend to do. I want to look at the fact that we have maintained these programs even though they've been underfunded. That to me says we really value this as a people, as a population, as parents, as a society. This is something that we see as vital to, you know, our culture, our society, as, you know, raising little humans. We know that this is important. Music actually is part of our national fabric. I'm only talking today about music education. I could go on such a rant about all of the concerts happening that, yes, are underfunded, are not being sponsored significantly, have tons of empty spaces and seats in their concert halls, but are still happening and people are still showing up and going. It's not dead, people. Let's not throw it all out. It is happening. We do still value this. And instead of saying, because what we, the reason I'm saying instead of saying, what we say becomes reality. If we, the musicians, are saying, music is so undervalued, it will become undervalued. If we start saying, I'm so, you know, no one needs me, society doesn't value what I do anymore, we're all starving artists, that will start to happen. And that is actually what's happening. If we start to say, we value music in Canada, and more specifically, music is so important, I would say music is our national sport. Maybe that will come true. Okay. So that's the first one. It's actually not in a healthy position necessarily in the public education system in most provinces, but it's still there. It's still kicking and people are still fighting for it. And that to me says this is important to us. Okay. Number two, the reason why I think music is really a better national sport and sort of already is our national sport versus any sport that you could pick is because it is so much more accessible than most sports. And again, when we look at hockey, hockey is considered the national sport in Canada. In other countries, it's other sports. In you know America, maybe it's football, like actual, well, American football, I should say. In like Brazil or other countries, you know, maybe it's like the football that is the traditional usage of the word football with like the black and white ball. You know, every country sort of has a sport that they identify with. I was talking to a friend recently who grew up in, I think she said Taiwan. Was it Taiwan? Where badminton is really popular. It wasn't Taiwan. Now I'm getting my geography all mixed up, but it was somewhere where badminton was kind of considered the national sport. I didn't know that. I didn't know there was any country that, you know, claimed badminton as their own sport. Every country kind of has an identity in sport. 
but sports are much more expensive, or they can be, than music lessons has to be. So when we talk about Toronto specifically with our dwindling finances, with our reduced but not gone string programs and all of that and band programs, all of that. If I look at the high-risk neighborhoods in Toronto, of which there are many, there are several community projects that have popped up related to music. I'm going to give a shout out to Sistema, who is in Parkdale and in other areas as well in Toronto. And Sistema is part of a much larger organization, obviously. Sistema is in many countries, in many cities, not just in Toronto. I'm going to give a shout out to Regent Park School of Music, now called Community Music Schools of Toronto, because they have community music schools in Toronto with very reduced rates for their music lessons. That's what they do. They offer very reduced tuition to people in music for music lessons to people in high-risk neighborhoods. That's what they do. They're set up, they have funding, they do all the things, they have donors because it's important, right? And they want it to be accessible. And all of these people who are teaching there, sending their kids there, all of these people who are donating there, who are writing the grants, who are reading the grants, all of those people believe that music lessons should be accessible to young children because it improves their stability. It improves their cognitive ability. All all of the things. I don't need to preach to you. You know why music lessons are so important. I'm not going to list off all the benefits of music lessons to, you know, an audience of musicians. You know. But other people believe it too. It's not just us. In the region of York, which is near Toronto, I recently read an article High Notes Avante. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. They were offering, and this is recently, like September of 2022, free music lessons to people who were grappling with mental health challenges. Okay, that is significant because we know that music lessons can be expensive. We know, though, all of the benefits that it can have. Music lessons are more accessible than we like to think. And by the way, if you decide you want to be a musician and you have zero dollars, or if you want to learn music, I should say, and you have zero dollars, singing is accessible to nearly everyone. And I don't think I can say the same for every single sport. For every sport, with maybe the exception of like cross country, even cross country, you need to have running shoes, right? Almost every single sport, you need to have some level of equipment And for hockey in Canada, it is an exorbitant amount of equipment. It is very expensive. Music lessons, by comparison, are extremely accessible. And even the kids that cannot afford to play hockey in Canada, they still watch it. So there is a way of making sport, music lessons, all of it, more accessible to people, even on a consumption level, right? So all of these things tell me that music lessons are already the fabric of our society. We already believe that this is a great way to challenge kids, to uplift them, to give them mental health support, you know, all of the things that we all know as musicians and we all state all the time when we're trying to sell our music lessons, right? A lot of people already believe that. We don't need to sell them on those points. That's already well believed. The evidence is clear. What we need to start saying is music is our national sport, not hockey, which not everyone can afford, not all of these ridiculous sports that require so much commitment and funding to do, not all of the things that are 
being run necessarily by, they might be run by like volunteers. Like I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago in a different episode that my daughter's hockey team is being run by volunteers. They're wonderful people. But we're talking, we're comparing this to music lessons. People are, you know, professional musicians and they're cheaper than the hockey lessons. Like we can't even compare it. Anyway, my whole point is here. Despite all of the cuts, music lessons have prevailed. Despite the lack of funding, music lessons have prevailed. And if you want to talk about cuts in public systems, we can't just isolate it to music education. There have been cuts to every program, right? I would say like, Someone just recently posted that home ec isn't really offered anymore in school. We used to have shop class where we learned how to like build a, you know, bird feeder or whatever with like a saw and nails. I don't think that's offered very much anymore. It might not be mandatory. Some things have been cut. Music lessons, music education has stayed in some capacity. Okay, not to mention all the support for kids with learning exceptionalities, the increased class sizes. There have been cuts all over the place. Let's not just like (laughs) pretend that we're the only victims here and that, you know, no one cares about us. No one loves us. I would say that out of all the cuts, music is the one thing that people have stepped in and said like, oh, actually, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to find a way to keep doing music because we think it's important. I don't think that's happened for shop class or home ec. I don't think it has for music. It does. Someone always steps in. Someone does it. If it's a parent volunteer, we make it happen because we do believe that music education is important because music is part of our national identity. And we know that we would just be lost without teaching our kids this vital piece of education, right? And this this tool for emotional regulation and all that stuff. Okay. I hope I've convinced you. Music actually is our national sport. It it really, truly is. I want to look to some models of some countries who are doing this even better than us because this does exist. There are countries where music is so much the fabric of their culture and has been for thousands, at least hundreds anyway, of years that it's like it's totally ingrained and kids are filling up concert halls even. So let's talk about those countries. A teacher that works at the Lane School of Music, i recently did a rant about this on Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, please do, and I'll follow you back. It's at Rebecca Lane Coach on Facebook. Also, Rebecca Lane Coach is my handle. But yeah, I would love to connect with you on there. But recently, I did a rant on Instagram about hockey versus music lessons and all of that. And that's kind of where this idea is coming from of music being our national sport. And a teacher of mine reached out and she said, you know, I was in Germany all summer and it was such a different feel there. You know, you go to a concert or you play a concert and it's packed, it's sold out. You know, there are kids at concerts all the time, even if they're late at night, it is considered to be part of their culture. And it's not surprising if, you know, Germany is the birthplace of all these like famous classical composers, right? Like it's not surprising that that's part of their culture. They have, you know, all of these icons of the music. It's the birthplace of many musical movements and eras. Unlike Canada, which is not and hasn't really we haven't found our footing in terms of what music is part of our cultural cultural identity, different conversation. But it does exist in other countries. It exists in Germany. This is a thing there. Kids are very engaged in music lessons and in classical music in general. I spoke to another teacher today, someone who we're hoping to bring on to our team at the Lane School of Music, and she is from Ukraine. And I know Ukraine is going through so much turmoil right now. It's really 
tragic what we're seeing in the news. But she was talking about, I mean, she's recently immigrated to Canada from Ukraine, which is amazing. But she was talking about how in Ukraine, you know, kids would sign, if you sign up for music lessons, you get like five hours of music a week. She was like, it's so crazy to me here. It's so silly that here you get 30 minutes with them and we're trying to cram in all of this information into a 30 minute lesson, or maybe it's 45 or 60, but certainly it's probably not five hours. She said, in Ukraine where I grew up, more of the standard is that you re- you have a, you know, a, you're in a choir and you sign up for music lessons, you're learning the instrument. So you have like your lesson on the instrument. You're also signing up for a choir. You have theory class, you have a history and like storytelling class on music, on the history of music so that you understand composers and all of that stuff. And altogether, this results in almost five hours of musical education every single week. That's what's considered a commitment to music lessons there. So it's not surprising that a lot of musicians that we've hired recently and talked to about hiring recently at the Lane School of Music come from countries like Ukraine. They just have a stronger sense of connection to music and a stronger sense of commitment to it because they know how life-changing it is. So there are countries that are doing this. There are countries that are doing this well. I think we need to start a revolution in Canada specifically, but if, you know, if you're not in Canada and you want to join the revolution, this is not only a Canadian problem and this is not going to be only a Canadian solution. Music needs to be part of our national identity. And in order to do that, we need to start saying that it is. Music is our national sport. I think it's catchy. Use the hashtag. I will see you on Instagram. I'm going to be ranting about this for a while. So I hope you're here for it. And I hope you're going to join me in this revolution to turn things around, to start seeing things in a new light. This is already something that we value. We just have to start saying it in a way that makes people understand that they value it because they do. They really do. In Canada, we really do value music. So music is our national sport, people. Let's do this. I'll see you on the gram. If you haven't already, join my free Facebook group, The Powerhouse Musicians. That's for you to connect with other musicians like yourself so that we can talk about issues like this, find solutions, build each other up, and also get the business skills that we need to do this functionally instead of just talking about it all the time. So I'll see you over there at the Powerhouse Musician and on Instagram at Rebecca Lane Coach. It was a pleasure as always, people, and I will see you next time. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to The Powerhouse Musician. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think will love it. To meet more powerhouse musicians like yourself, join my free Facebook group, The Powerhouse Musicians. Until next time, I'm Rebecca Lane, and you are a powerhouse musician.